Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find Amazon links to purchase the music you hear on the show. And if you do it that way, a little bit of the money comes back to the Jazz Session. And you'll find the new membership section. For as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year, you can become a member of the Jazz Session. And if you do that, uh, you will help keep these interviews coming to you. I've been doing it uh, for free for a long time. And just let me say for the record that whether or not you become a member, you'll still get access to the same two shows each week. But if you become a member, there's bonus members-only content, and at various levels there's different kinds of shout-outs on the show and T-shirts and stickers. Uh, for every level, there's a thank you on the membership page. So uh, please do become a member. I am going to give myself about six months to get 100 members, and if I can do that, that will uh, bring in enough revenue for me to uh, continue to do the jazz session, which I would love to do. It's been going for three years and 750,000 downloads, 200-plus episodes, uh, thanks to you and your support. And now I just need you to dig under the couch cushions and uh, come up with about 10 bucks a month. And if uh, 100 of you do that, then uh, we can keep this whole thing going. And I'm sure that's going to happen. So thanks very much for your support. And let's turn now to today's guest, uh, singer Sarah Serpa. She and uh, the pianist Rand Blake have a new album called Camera Obscura, which begins with this take on When Sunny Gets Blue. That's how she got her name. 
My guest is composer and vocalist Sarah Serpa. She has a new album with pianist Rand Blake called Camera Obscura, and uh, it's really fantastic, and I'm happy to welcome Sarah to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Jason. Can you uh, maybe start us off by telling us how this album came to be? Um, so this album is kind of um, the collection of songs that Ren and I have worked during one year. Uh, Ren was my student at New uh, my student. <laughs> <laughs> Ren, <laughs> Ren was my teacher at New England Conservatory when I was doing my master's over there. And for one year, I would go to his place, which is where he teaches his lessons, and we would just play songs. Um, it was kind of like uh, arbitrary, arbitrary choose choice of songs. And so one day we decided, okay, let's try this song, and we would be working on it for one month, two months. And at some point, we have kind of built a repertoire. Rand played at my uh, graduation recital at New England Conservatory. And then this idea of doing an album with him stayed with me for a while, um, but it only came to uh, happen after one year I graduated from NEC, so it was in December of 2009. Finally, we found two days where Rand could be available to record, and I went to Boston, and we did two days of recording. Now, you said that when you would work uh, with Ran on, on these songs, that sometimes you would spend a month on a song. Can, can you talk about what you do over the course of that month? Just uh, for those of us who've never been in this kind of situation, um, mm-hmm. what, what was it like inside those, inside those sessions? So, the experience with Ran for me was that Ran, uh, working with him, the song for such a long time, opened doors for all the meaning of the words, um, you know, because mainly I, I used to sing, I'm used to sing without words. And this was actually the first time I could explore in, in depth the meaning of uh, the lyrics and find out what they meant to me. Uh, we would also work on the melody and, you know, how the melody is something really important for Ren. It's, uh, and I think it's the way he works is he just learns the melody and then he harmonizes everything around the melody. So it was um, really important that I had the melody really uh, strong and consistent because otherwise Rand can change some keys, you know, he can go somewhere else and if you don't know exactly the melody, you can easily get lost. So it was... we would do this, and it was almost kind of like getting into the theatrical perspective of each song. What does this song mean to me? Like, which character do I want to put on it? And that's it. Hands with no scruples. Whoever's too weak is fair game. Our fair cat lives to the environment's bed. We let him out of our sight, he got into a fight. Now he's getting away with murder in the ink black court of night. When he was a kitten, 
We loved him and he loved us back. Smitten no more. Foods of bread brings him through our door. We let him out of our sight. He got into a fight. Now he's getting away with murder in the ink black court of night. Asleep, he's peaceful and serene. Behind that face, could there be something so obscene? You mentioned uh, Ran and his tendency to, uh, you know, harmonize around the melody. And one of the things that really struck me about this record was, it's not uh, certainly there have been many, many, many piano and vocal duet albums, and some of them are, are classics in the jazz canon. But this is very different than most of those because, although you have a accompaniment, it's really not standard accompaniment. I mean, Ran is sometimes out in some totally other place than you would expect and it seems like it must have been a challenge for you as a singer because the the world that he's creating around you is not not necessarily the typically supportive world it's it's just an adventurous musical world is that is that difficult when you're uh, when you're in that place as a singer yes and it has always been uh, challenging for me to sing with him I, I never know what Ren would play I never knew what Ren would play behind me, and so I had to be really concentrated on what was happening. Uh, but on the other way, on the other hand, um, it just taught me so much, you know, like you can, what you can gain from a melody, and the more you play that song with a person, like the more uh, it, the more you go into darker places, where places where you have never been, and okay, you enjoy it. Then that's it. Yeah, did no. several versions of each song, and each song was. Then I had to choose the takes, and each take was really different, you know. So there was never like a, the same accompaniment for a, the, the the same song, which was amazing. Like he would just, okay, let's do it again, and then he would play something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, you mentioned earlier that this was uh, a chance for you to explore the lyrical content of songs, and you said that you normally uh, perform without words. Can you talk a little bit more about that, how you began doing that, and, and why you choose to do that? So when I started singing jazz, I had already like a very strong classical music background because I played piano and I sang in a choir for a long time. So I, I could read music and I I had kind of like some vocal technique which uh, allowed me to explore a little more about what jazz was. It was a very different language uh, for me at the beginning, understanding harmony and how musicians could improvise with just chord symbols. So that became kind of like a challenge for me. I just wanted to learn how they do it and be able to do it as well. And later on, as I look back, I think it's also, it has to do, because I'm not an English speaker, you know, like I'm not a native English speaker. 
So I think only five years, after five years of living in the States, I can now maybe understand or express myself a little better using the English language, you know, which was something like when I started, I, I, I mean, I understood English, but understanding and expressing is a very different um, task. So it started that way. I started learning heads of uh, tunes, uh, trying to improvise and the typical jazz tunes. And then I started trying to write my own music where I just enjoyed hearing the sound of the voice as an instrument without words, without anything, just voice. And it's, I, I, I mean, I'm still developing it and I'm still learning. <laughs> Sarah, do you think that your classical background helps you, particularly in the case of of this album, where the uh, where the music around you is is kind of less standard? Do you think that that having learned to navigate the classical world helps you steer through this music a little more easily? Mm, I never thought about it that way, but I think what we do is kind of like a result of all our past experiences, and I'm sure like being around. Classical music has defined some of my musical choices um, to these days. So I think it's kind of like um, a global thing. You, uh, f- for some people, th- this may be the first time uh, that they're hearing about you. And so maybe uh, can you tell us just a little bit about your your background? I know you're from, from Lisbon and, and how you ended up uh, in New York. So, I'm, yes, I was born in Lisbon, and I lived in Lisbon until uh, 2005. Um, I studied classical piano, as I told you. I, I sang in a choir for a long time, and I, I did classical singing as well. Then I studied it. Uh, I, I have a degree on psychology, so 
music was always kind of a parallel thing in my life to all the, the other studies. And when I was almost graduating from the psychology college, I, I entered the, the jazz school in Portugal, the hot club jazz school, and suddenly everything made sense. All the classical music, all the musical background uh, was useful for something. I, I realized that I wanted to do music in, in my career and that I could, in jazz I could find, I found a way of expressing myself using improvisation and, and also, you know, uh, the meeting, uh, getting together with musicians and play and, and expect uh, uh, expect nothing, you know, uh, when you're taking risks, it was something very appealing to me. Um, so after that, I studied at Hot Club. I went to Berkeley for a summer jazz course, and I applied to Berkeley for a scholarship after that experience. And only two years later, I got the scholarship, and I came to Boston, where I studied at Berkeley for three semesters. And then I applied to New England Conservatory, where I did my master's. So I, grad I graduated from all schools. I finished all studies two years ago, in 2008. And then after finishing my studies, I decided I wanted to come to New York to, to see what was life like in this city, and I've been here ever since. And, and what has it been like for you to uh, begin to establish yourself in the really competitive New York scene? What's that experience been like? It's been very good. I think I've been lucky, actually. Um, I mean, it's challenging, of course. It's a very aggressive and big city, a lot of musicians. Um, so there's a lot of competition. But in a way, I think there's a lot of space for everybody to do their own thing. Um, and I was very lucky because when I moved here, I started singing with Greg Ozzy. Uh, we performed at the Village Vanguard. So that was actually one of the first places where I sang when I moved to New York. <laughs> so that was kind of... <laughs> well, that's not a bad start. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. And... How did that happen, Sarah? How did you land up end up in Greg's band? Um, I met Greg through MySpace. Uh, one day he found my page and he said, oh, could you send me some more music? Uh, where he sings? So, because he was looking for a voice uh, for his band. And he liked the music that I sent him. And he kept saying, okay, we'll, we'll be doing something together one day. And that day was in, before I graduated from NEC, so we recorded his new album and right before I graduated, and then the album came out in August 2008, which was when I first sang at the Village Vanguard. You got a gig at the Vanguard through MySpace? <laughs> That's insane. It took, I mean, it took a little more. Uh, it took two years to get the gig. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, I got to say that that might be the most impressive thing that's happened on MySpace. That's pretty cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Hey, there's um, there's one tune on this record um, that's uh, in Portuguese, and therefore I don't understand the lyrics. And I thought, maybe, could you tell us something about that song? What um, what what it's about? Portuguese poet Eugenie Andrade, one of the most famous contemporary poets from Portugal, and I picked it. It's an excerpt, excerpt for from a bigger poem, and this it's called "Leaves." Colhas means leaves, and basically, it's about it's like kind of like a metaphorical way of saying like how we are all like leaves like trees where we are affected by everything that surrounds us but we are also fragile Yeah, I think that's those. We are fragile but strong at the same time, and we are influenced by everything that surrounds us. I think that could be the whole meaning of the song. And I noticed that you you dedicate this particular song to your parents. Uh, what has uh, what has their reaction been like to this life that you've created for yourself? Oh, they're very proud. I think. <laughs> yes, I think. Been, they've been very supportive of everything that I've... At the beginning, they were a little suspicious, you know, like, why do you want to study jazz now, you know? Because I, I entered the jazz school when I was 23, 24 years old. So by then, like, you're expected to have already chosen your path, professional path. And they were very supportive of my option of, you know, keep studying music and coming to the States. 
I think they're proud. And have they come uh, to New York to see you perform? Yes, they came to the Village Vanguard. <laughs> That's <Both> great. Times. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. So uh, I know that you're uh, you're very busy and very active. Can you talk about some of the other projects that you're involved in these days? Yes, last week was quite a busy week for me. I think the whole week I did everything that I have been involved in. So on Monday, we Andre Matos and I, uh, Andre is my husband, we went to Boston to play at Grand Blake's birthday celebration. And we played in duo. We do perform in duo a lot of times. Then on Tuesday, I performed at Cornelius Street Cafe with my quintet um, that features Chris Davis, Ben Street, this time Marcus Gilmore was on drums, and Andre Matos too, where we played my news music. And then on Thursday and Friday, I sang with Danilo Perez uh, at Scholars. Uh, I sang on his new album, Providencia. I'll just throw in there that I, I just interviewed uh, Danilo about a week ago, and he'll be on the show about a week before you, so folks can uh, check really? that out, too. So, That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then on Saturday, I sang with uh, Greg Osby's uh, band featuring Mark Center at the Bean Town Jazz Festival. So it was everything I've been doing for the past years condensed Wow. <laughs> one week. <laughs> That's quite a week. <laughs> How did you keep all that music straight? I don't know. At some point... Uh, I, I think I guess the part you just have to do it. You just go on stage and do it and uh, enjoy every moment of it. Unlike uh, almost any other kind of musician, your instrument is is part of your body. Does does playing that much, singing that much over the course of a week, are there any special things you have to do to make sure you can still sing on Saturday night? Uh, I mean, sleeping is a very important thing. Uh, not drinking alcohol also. Very important thing, keeping um, hydrated, my voice hydrated, eating well, and just uh, rest. So that's what I did. I didn't do much during the day. I would just save all my energies for the night. Nutty, people have been calling me Nutty. Look at me. What could it be that they see? Nutty, could it be I found someone? Nutty, look at him, certainly as bad as me. Buddy, that's what I am in his hands, buddy. Don't you know I would be no good if he should let me go? Nutty, happy to be what they call Nutty. Try it soon, falling in love will make you Nutty. I wonder... um you mentioned earlier uh, about the kind of growing fluency with English and the effect that that has on interpreting songs that are in English. When you on this album, as we already mentioned, there's the the one tune that's in Portuguese. Is it is it different for you, uh, kind of mentally or emotionally, to sing in your native language versus singing 
in English? Are there are there ways that you feel differently about it or or interpret the the music differently? Yes, I think it's very different. Uh, it's almost like I'm not thinking about the words anymore. You know, I'm just uh, it's just the way I have always expressed myself in Portuguese, so it just comes out naturally. It's the same when I sing in Brazilian. That uh, the connection I feel with the words flows in a very natural way. Um, English, I'm always worried with my accent, with my diction. You know? <laughs> uh, not not only the words, and sometimes I'm I'm afraid that I might forget some words. You know, um, when I sing in English, so there's, there's a different pressure on me when I sing in English. But I, I, I've been trying. I keep trying. <laughs> well, it works quite well as far as I can tell. So. Thank you. Um, this, uh, so this show will come out in about three weeks. Uh, keeping that in mind, are there some things coming up uh, that you want to mention? Mm, I'm going to Australia in October 20th for two weeks and a half for seeing a some festivals and some clubs in different parts of Australia. Playing with local musicians, Andre and I, we are going together and then we'll play with local musicians. I'm very looking forward to my first trip in Australia. Now, how does that work if you're going to play with local musicians? Will you, you just meet them the day before or the day of and go over music that you've previously sent them? Or how, how is that going to work? Yes, yeah, so a little bit like that. I mean, there are a few musicians that I, I, I know their work so we've been in touch for a while now through email, and I have been sending them some music. So um, I'm hoping that they have looked at it and then we'll, we'll rehearse. We'll have time to rehearse before the gig, one or two days before the gig, and then play. Um, but, I mean, it's a little bit like what happens in New York, too, most of the time. Like you don't have much time to rehearse. You just come to the gig and do your best. Whatever happens, happens. Sarah, is there anything uh, I haven't asked you about that you'd like to mention? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, then I will say that uh, my guest is Sarah Serpa, and her new album with pianist Rand Blake uh, is called Camera Obscura. It's on Inner Circle Music. Uh, Sarah, it's been a lot of fun to talk to you about this record, and uh, it's, a, it's a really great album. Thanks for coming on the show to talk about it. Thank you so much. Amen. 
be killed by the civilization he came from, bringing seeds of knowledge, progress, and of pain. He taught them for many seasons. Utopia. of guilt and shame. That's music from Sarah Serpa and Ran Blake from their new album, Camera Obscura. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find Amazon links to purchase the music you hear on the show and the membership section. Please join and uh, keep the jazz session going. My thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this program. Find them online at respectsextet.com. They just had a great review in uh, the New York Times. Nate Chinnon uh, reviewed uh, a recent show of Respect, and he quite enjoyed it. Which is no great surprise, because they're fantastic. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. Get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. <laughs>